Welcome to the Dayspring Community Church Podcast. Check out our website at dayspringonline.org. And now, Dr. Matt Friedemann. So as I was uh, traveling to Louisville yesterday, uh, you see a bunch of names on the, uh, you know, the signs, and Kosciuszko was one of the names, one of the towns that's somewhere out there, I have no idea where, but somewhere out there. And uh, I was reminded that Oprah Winfrey was a native of Kosciuszko. And I thought I remembered something, and so I looked it up this morning. Uh, she received uh, the Lifetime Achievement Award in 2018 at the Golden Globes. And so she got the form, and she said something that a lot of people said, but I just kind of remembered, Kosciuszko, Oprah Winfrey. So I looked it up, and sure enough, she says, what I know for sure is that speaking your truth is the most powerful tool we all have. That has become so entrenched in our lexicon today, and that is your truth. I want us to be cautious about that if we can. I'm okay with your truth if, if our truth has become God's truth, or God's truth has become our truth. The problem with your truth can be this. It can destroy families when a dad suddenly decides that his truth is a new lover, or a new family, or maybe even a new gender. It's a philosophy that can absolutely destroy entire societies. One person's truth will go to battle over another person's truth. And guess what? Power decides the victor. That's not the kind of culture we want to live in. What we need, of course, if we're going to have my truth, is that I've recognized I have dethroned my truth from my life. And now my truth is the truth of Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Not yourself. You can't get there with your truth. You got to get there with his. Amen? And so when this came up today, I just thought, this is fascinating. It says here the spirit of truth, but I want to know the truth about the spirit. And we could do a huge Bible study looking at all kinds of passages. I said, let's just stay tucked in right here. In John 14, 16 to 31, these aren't even all the things. I had to shorten it up here because I don't want to preach until uh, 1 o'clock. But these are, <laughs> I guess neither do you, huh? But here are some things that is said about the Spirit in these passages. First off, the Spirit is a team spirit. Amen? So, the Spirit is Spirit with the Father and with the Son. We say that is God. And there are three persons, they are distinct from one another, but they're not separate. So the key thing about the Trinity is distinct, but not separate. Say that with me, distinct, but not separate, which is to say, I don't know, I I tell you, there's a lot of funny things on the internet, and maybe I'll post this someday soon for it, probably even should be playing it right now, but there's all kinds of ways to articulate what the Trinity is like, and anything you say will get you off into heresy real fast. It's a, it's a very tricky thing to describe. But this is what we know. Verse 16. Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper so that he may be with you forever. Verse 19. After a little while, the world will no longer going to, is going to be seeing me, but you are going to see me because I live, you also will live. Which seems to indicate it's the Spirit that's going to come and recognize that this will be the fulfillment of God's dream for our life when we let that spirit take over, when we let that spirit become our truth. 
Mm. The Father initiated our salvation. The Son accomplished it, and the Holy Spirit has made it real in our lives. Those are distinct roles, but they work together in perfect harmony without separation. I, uh, I again say, there's any number of things you could say that would lead you almost directly into heresy. This is both helpful and heretical at the same time. So here we go. It's the same thing Jesus does, by the way, when he says parables. He says, the kingdom of God is like this thing. But he throws a bunch of them at you just so you don't say, hey, the kingdom of God is perfectly like that parable. Right? You can't do that because he said, no, we got to take them all together to get an idea about what the kingdom of God is about. Same thing here when we start talking about the Trinity. You can't say, well, it's, he's like ice. Uh, don't go there. Just don't go there. All right? Or he's like, a, he's like a dad who has uncles and has son. Uh, don't do that either. Just don't. But I found this kind of interesting and kind of helpful. By the way, I'll point out the heresy to you. But this guy says, and I'm going to see, the, the guy is a guy named uh, Joshua Ryan Butler. He says, imagine that a family is trapped in a forest fire. So a helicopter team undertakes a rescue. One fireman flies a helicopter over the smoky blaze to coordinate the operation and see the big picture. So there's a helicopter guy up there that's hovering overhead. There's a second fireman that descends on a rope into the billowing smoke below to track down the family and get them. And once he locates them, he wraps the rope around them, attaching them to himself, and they're lifted up together from the blaze into safety. So the first fireman is the father. The second fireman is the son that, again, descends into our world and amidst the chaos, amidst the fire, finds us and lifts us out. That's good, isn't it? He says the problem here, the spirit's the rope. And the reason this becomes immediate heresy is because like all analogies, this one's going to fall short at the point that the Holy Spirit's a person, not a thing. He's not a thing like a rope, and a rope is not a person. But having said that, I like the thought of this thing. Is that the Father and the Son and the Spirit are one God, sharing a divine nature, in essence, as one being, but there is a rescue mission going on. There's a Father all over our head. There is a descending Son, and there is a Spirit that intends to get you out of your mess. The second thing I would say is this. Well, first off, the first thing is the Holy Spirit's a team, and there's all kinds of ways to think about team. Second thing is this. The Spirit is a helper. We've already talked about that today. And I don't know how your, your translation treats this word. But in verse 16, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, a helper like himself. Verse 17, the helper is the Spirit of truth. Now, John, the writer John, uses this term helper some of you have comforter, some of you have advocate, but he uses that terminology four times in his writings to talk about the Holy Spirit. Once about Jesus, so he uses it five times, once about Jesus, four times about the Holy Spirit. But the word is parakalesis. Uh, I like it because it's from two words, parakaleo, and kaleo is call and para is beside. So this is the spirit that's called to come beside you to help you out. Now, that's not all the truth about the Spirit, but I like the truth that comes through it. I, uh, I've been at my seminary 
34 years. Uh, when I start in the fall, I will be the longest serving faculty at that seminary. And I can't imagine anybody coming after me and, and doing it longer. I mean, I got there when I was a boy. I mean, I was a boy. I looked like a boy. I acted like a boy. I pretty much thought and taught like a boy. I was a boy, through and through a boy. And I've been there, now I'm not a boy. I'm starting to think, where's that cane, you know? That, I'm just telling you, been there a long time. So I've gone through a lot of presidents. Got there under one guy, man, clipped through them. I've been there longer than anybody, including every president. They're there usually about uh, anywhere from six to ten years, and then they're out of there. So I don't know how many I've gone through, but I remember one of them who became a dear, dear friend of mine was a guy named Ron Smith. And Ron Smith came in, and he did the interviews with everybody, and after he was accepted, he wanted another interview with the faculty. He says, let me tell you about how I operate as the president. I am a parakaleo. I believe in a parakaleo kind of leadership. That is, I've, call, I've been called to come beside you guys to help you do what you already do well. So let me do that. I'm not hovering over you. I'm not giving you directives. I'm not giving you orders. And by the way, sometimes he had to, whether he said he was going to or not. Just sometimes you have to. Is that authority. But nonetheless, I come beside you. And I've come beside you and will come beside you to help you to do. And by the way, whatever Ron Smith said that day, the current president has done that in incredible, credible ways. Matt has come along, but Matt Ayers, you all know him. He's, he's presented here a couple times. He has come in right along beside you. He's a former student of mine, for crying out loud. So a former student comes along as president now and says, Matt, I'm here to help you do what you do. What, and he actually has said this multiple times, what do you need from me in order to excel? Wow, can you imagine leadership that does that? Can you imagine someone that would come along beside you and says, whatever you need from me, that you might be able to succeed and, 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 and perform to such an extent that everybody else would go, wow, that's what I'm here for. No, anyway, Ron Smith was saying that that day, Pericaleo, and y'all you, you remember Ray, Ray Easley. Ray Easley was the academic dean at that point. Ray went to church here. Ray helped start this church. And Ray was the academic dean, and Ray, in front of Ron Smith and the outgoing president, said these words. Whoa, that'll sure be different. Well, it was different. It was radically different. And it was great to have a president like that. By the way, he came, became my great friend. But he was always the friend that I knew. It's kind of like I tell my students, I'm your friend, y'all. I am your friend, but I'm also the friend that grades. <laughs> so no, I'm, I'm your friend, but you know there are things we have to do in order to get a grade. And if you don't do those things... I'm your friend that gives you a C. You know, just know that that can happen here. Ron occasionally had to do that, but on the whole, how he viewed himself. I'm going to tell you, that's a, that's a lot like the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes along beside you to help you to do what God has asked you to do. Not whatever you want to do, and that's a key distinction. He's not a parakaleo God that comes along you to do what you want to do. He's going to help you do what He wants you to do. And that sometimes can be a radically different thing. What I want to do and what he wants me to do can be hugely different. But whatever he wants you to do, he's going to come along beside and help you do it successfully, meaningfully, purposefully, and with holiness. 
That's the parakaleo. That is our Holy Spirit. And so, Holy Spirit, we just ask you to help us engage that way, even this week. Help us to see you as the God who's been called beside us. Third thing is this. The Spirit is with and can be in you. So the Spirit is with and can be in you. It says in verse 17, you know him because he remains with you and will be in you. Now, we're about ready to do Pentecost, and I really hope you invite a bunch of people to Pentecost, all right? Please, we want a good crowd here. One of the best crowds we've ever had at Dayspring. And when we have that celebration, this is why we celebrate Pentecost to such an extent. We think God provides at Pentecost what's still happening today. If we will only allow him to do what he wants to do, but that same thing couldn't be said at Christmas or at Easter. Pentecost has to happen to round out Christmas and Easter. You get what I'm saying? We always say here, Jesus isn't enough. Jesus wasn't enough. Even Jesus said so right here. He says, I'm sending you enough. I'm sending you the third person. When the third person shows up, whoo, this movement goes. But remember what they had with the second person. Remember what they had when Jesus was walking with them. What they had was betrayal and denial. And even after he's resurrected and ascended, they're behind closed doors and they're scared about what might happen next. But after the Holy Spirit falls, then they begin the movement with great courage, with verve, and with power. But that doesn't happen until Pentecost. That's why we celebrate it. Listen, I said it one time and a district superintendent quoted me, so I got to believe it's true. Says if it weren't for Pentecost, we wouldn't even know about Christmas and Easter. You see what Pentecost did? Before Pentecost, they're all in Jerusalem behind closed doors and scared. But when Pentecost happens, what happens? People begin spreading out and they go to tell the nations. One of my favorite little deals here is when Paul writes to the church at Rome, almost every time he writes a letter, it's to a church that he has helped plant. Not at Rome. He didn't plant Rome. So he's writing the letter to him, probably the greatest epistle he ever wrote, Romans. And he's writing to him, we're thinking, how does he know about the church at Rome? Probably, we don't know this, but probably because on the day of Pentecost, some from Rome were there. Peter spoke to them, they received the Spirit, they committed their life to Jesus, and they headed out. They went to Rome and said, hey, let's gather together. And they started gathering together, and the church there started booming. I mean, you talk about exciting, it was exciting. But why did that happen? Because of Pentecost. Christmas wasn't enough. Yeah, thank you, David. Could you lead us all in saying that? Christmas wasn't enough. Easter wasn't enough. The resurrection wasn't enough. You're getting weaker. Come on, come with me now. Are you with me? The ascension wasn't enough. Pentecost was enough. All right. And that's where we say party. (laughs) That's why we party. We'll have balloons up here. We'll have birthday cake. We'll have a meal afterwards. We'll have bouncy jump up things in the back, whatever they call those things, for the kids. Woo! We throw a party because Pentecost was finally enough. The Holy Spirit comes on us. He is our helper. He's the God that is 
the fullness of the team, and then we start moving towards hmm, the life He ever intended for us to have. Right here, right now. Third thing, is, or fourth thing is this. By the way, this is what Stanley Jones said about number three. Christmas is the festival of God with us. Pentecost is the festival of God in us. Is He more with us than in us? I want Christmas. I want God with us. A Pentecost is His Holy Spirit coming in us. Now, I don't have it. I should Christine, I was going to ask you to drop by. In fact, we're going to get some Alka-Seltzer right now. Can you do that? That's what I meant to tell you like two hours ago. Hey, on the way in, can you give me some Alka-Seltzer? Not because I need it, just because I need it. Okay, so imagine here two cups. Can everybody see it? Can you see two cups here? It's, they've got water in them, okay? See, Christine, it's just weaker, isn't it? Doesn't, I know. It's not your fault. It's my fault. Oh, do you? See? Here we go. So, two glasses of water. So, Christina says, here, Pastor, as your secretary, I decided to do this kind of thing for you and do what you asked me to do. I went and got some Alka-Seltzer. And so, I put this Alka-Seltzer packet into water cup A. And uh, you know what it looks like? It looks like water with an Alka-Seltzer packet inside of it. Uh, that would be what we call the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit's inside. Holy Spirit filled with the Holy Spirit. Got the Spirit inside. That's what we believe. When you become a Christian, you have God in you and you have the Holy Spirit in you. It's not like the Holy Spirit's outside saying, hey, invite me in someday, will you? No, you got it all. You got the Father. You got the Son. You got the Spirit. You got God in you. Amen? Amen. But there comes a day when he says, all right, I want even more than to be in you. So for that little Alka-Seltzer thing to work like it's supposed to work, what you do is say, okay, now I got a packet. I'm going to let loose, I don't know, two, pack, two per packet there, Christina? Two per packet. Now I'm going to go, oh, we know, the, we know the commercial. Sing with me. Pop, pop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. All right, there you go. American commercialism. But there it is. All of a sudden now, it's filled in a different way than this cup is filled, isn't it? And that's Pentecost. He wants you to say, now let me loose into every part of your being. Let me loose into your sexuality. <laughs> I was out to prison one day and we were preaching it up. I said, listen, God wants all of us right, right. I mean, he wants all of us right, right. He even wants into your sex life. You know, all of a sudden got quiet. He doesn't want you to have sex outside of marriage, right? Kind of quiet, you know? Finally, someone murmurs, right? I said, come on, guys, you got to come with me on this, right? Right. Come on, now, you know better than that. When the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you, is he going to say, hey, it's okay to have sex outside of marriage? No. Then say it with me. Holy Spirit, take over my sexuality. And, you know, I never get him to yell it out. Usually most things I can get him to yell Hey, y'all, every one of us got something like it. Every one of us got something like it. It might be your money. It might be your sexuality. It, it, it might be that bad habit. It might be your anger. Ooh, someone's like to hang on to the anger. But you go back and do a Bible study in the New Testament and see what it says about anger. You're not going to inherit the kingdom of God with anger. 
He just wants to enter into every part of your life and through and through transform it to be Christ-like. And when we say, be holy as he is holy, what we're saying is, be Christ-like. And apparently Jesus thought we could do it because he actually gives us the command, be teleos as I am teleos. Be teleos as your Father in heaven is teleos. Be teleos. Teleos means perfect. You think, well, there's no way to be perfect. Perfect means this, being everything God wants you to be right now. And some of you are right there today. Some of you are filled with the Holy Spirit, and you're everything Jesus wants you to be right now. And guess what? If he can make you like that right now, could he make you like that for a whole day? If he can make you for a whole day, could he make you like that for a week? If he can make you like that for a week, Mr. Henry, could he make you like that for a whole month? Y'all, we can be teleos. We can be like he wants us to be. I'll just say this. It's important that you recognize teleos does not mean perfection by scientific terms. Teleos means this. I, uh, I got a glass of water. Let's just say my youngest son, Isaiah, who's not here so I can pick on him. Never used children for sermon illustrations, but I've, I've always broken that rule, but I've decided to tell us about Isaiah because he's not here. So, mom, his mom, my dear wife, and she is a Swedish bee to her husband. She says, hey, go take daddy this lemonade. And so Isaiah grabs it, and he stops somewhere along the line, re-grabs it, and sticks his dirty little finger inside of it. And so it comes to me, and uh, I say, son, why is there dirt going down the inside side of my cup. And I slap him. You think I'd do that? I'd say, oh man, come here, give me a hug, Zazie. Hey, sweetheart, thanks for the lemonade. And dirt and all, I guzzle it down. Why? Because he acted perfectly in that moment. Perfect in God's eyes mean love. He wants us to be total lovers, thorough lovers. And he loved me, and my wife loved me in that moment. It was a perfect moment. Now, if, if, uh, if so Elijah's not here, so let me pick on him. Uh, <laughs> if today at noon, and Elijah's coming over, kids are coming over, we're eating over at the Freedom House today, and mom says, boy, this is taking a long time. Elijah, here, take your... Take your dad some lemonade. And if Elijah sticks his dirty finger in the middle of it, and there's dirt, he's going to hand it to me, and I'm not going to slap him because, you know, I'm beyond that with my boys. They'll, I don't know what they want to do back to me, but it's not. I just say, son, what are you doing? Why is it dirt? Why would you stick your... Son, Elijah, what are you doing? Not perfect. Not love. Just pure dumb as a rock. So you see the perfect thing? It has to do everything with, are we acting like we're supposed to act given the maturity level we have today? And the Spirit in you can make that happen. I want to say number four here. The Spirit is anti-orphan and pro-life. Now by anti-orphan, I don't mean he hates orphans. I mean he doesn't want anybody to be an orphan. Amen? So anti-orphan, that's a, that's a bad way to put it. That was a late night thing. 
I don't know how you'd say that. Anyway, he wants, he doesn't want orphans out there. He wants everybody to be adopted. Look at verse 18. I will not leave you as orphans. I'm coming to you. Who? Austin, did you see that? I'm coming to you. Isn't that perfect? Given the song we just sang? I'm coming to you. After a little while, the world no longer is going to see me, but you are going to see me because I live. Because I live, you also will live. So, Scripture uses adoption language. You all know this. The Spirit is the Spirit of adoption. Every child, a wanted child, every child, an adopted child. This is what it says. You are someone that needs adopting. And some of you have already made that commitment. I want to be adopted into the family of God. And if you've said it and you mean it, you're in. Because He wants to adopt you. And the spirit of adoption brings people. And listen, let me tell you what I'd love to see at Pentecost. Lots of visitors in here. You invite two or three people. Go by and pick them up. Bring them in here. And all the better if they don't know Jesus. Because we want them to hear that message today. You are an orphan and he wants to adopt you. The Father in heaven wants to make you his son and daughter. And people need to hear this. He wants me. Not only that, he came for you. And he's still coming for you. I, uh, I grew up with a dear friend with a guy named Danny Dyke. And Danny was a Korean. And uh, the reason I know him is because you often hear me about this house church where I was saved. I left the institutional church about seventh grade or so. And mom and dad said, mom said, you, had to, you have to go somewhere. And she sent me to this house church by my dad's best friend. And so there I met Jesus on their living room floor. It's like sacred ground to me. But there I became good friends with Lauren Dyke's, Marilyn Dyke's son, Danny Dyke. And uh, he's Korean. And they would often tell about going to Korea and uh, going to the orphanage. And there was this young baby. And... uh, had boils all over him. Just looked terrible. And Lauren Dyke would say, Jesus said to me, that's the one. That's the one I want you to adopt. And Lauren looked down and says, that's my boy. Covered with boils. Definitely sick. But that's the one Jesus wants for us. Y'all, If you're a Christian today, you have been adopted. And Jesus says, I want her to be mine. I want him to be mine. It's a precious thing to be adopted in the family of the Almighty. The last thing is this. The Spirit is pro-education. It says in verse 26, The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and remind you of all that is said to you. Now, I want to get better and better at something. And when I'm in discipleship groups, I frequently say, can you pray for me that I would get better at this? To get better at a moment-by-moment leading by the Holy Spirit. That God could say, Matt, you're right there right now, but I need you over there right now. Could you move there and do what I want you to do in the next moment? I just want to get better at that. To hear him, to feel him, to know what he wants me to do in any single moment of my life, that's what I want to get better at. And 
I think all of us would want that, but let me tell you the sure way not to make that happen is to say, I'm not going to spend time in the Word every day. I'm not going to spend time in prayer every day. I'm not going to fast. I'm not going to have a work of mercy. I don't need the church, and I don't need small groups in the church. If you want to think you're moving by the Spirit moment by moment, but you don't do those things, you're fooling yourself. You may hear voices, but it's probably not the voice of the Spirit. If you want to consistently hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, you need to dedicate yourself to what we have called the means of grace. That is daily time of the Word, daily time in the Bible, fasting, uh, what they call Christian conferencing or getting together with the church as well as small groups. And then just say, listen, I also want to be involved in the same thing Jesus was involved with with his disciples, and that is works of mercy, going and running to the sound of the pain. Run to the sound of the pain in your community and say, I want to make that a regular ministry of my life. And if any of you want to know what that might be, I got to tell you, I come from the kind of life where I didn't have things like pills and alcohol and drugs that I, were, that, that I was addicted to. But the Lord said, yeah, but I want you over there anyway, Matt. But I'm going to tell you, some of you have come out of some really crummy situations. Some of them happened to you. Some of them you chose for yourself. But that crummy situation may well be the situation that God wants you to minister to in days ahead. It's called the wounded healer. That which has damaged you, he now wants you to turn around and become a healer in those situations. Oh my goodness, that's the good life right there. That's the abundant life right there. And y'all, that's our opportunity. That's our opportunity to say, I want to be part of a teach me ministry so that I can go teach others the good news of Jesus Christ. I want to take teaching just a moment. And I'll just say this. When I was in grade school, I think I told you this, uh, they were teaching new math. Whoever thought of new math, I want to find those people someday. <laughs> huh? You mean, you, okay, here we go. I got a witness. I want to find that person because uh, I don't get it to this day. I don't get it. In fact, I saw a math, math program last night. I thought, man, I'd give anything to be able to do that, what they're doing right now. I'm just dumb as a rock with math. Just dumb. But this is what happened. They started teaching me new math. You know what I did? I said, I don't want to listen to this. It was nonsense. And by the way, I think it was nonsense. (laughs) So you know what I did? I looked out the window and started staring. I became an expert at staring out the window. I knew what I was doing. You know what they said? Well, once I made a D, and mom says, freedoms don't make Ds. He must have brain problems. So the next thing, I'm at a doctor with wires coming out of my head. And they put me on medicine. I mean, all of a sudden now I'm a drugged up kid because I like staring out the window when new math is being taught. Are you kidding me? I knew what I was doing. They thought, no, the boys got intellectual seizures. Let's put them on medicine. And I remember the day when mom decides that costs too much. She took the pills. She threw them away. She put her hands on my head and says, Jesus, heal Matt. I walked away. I still made D's in math, but I didn't have to take the pills anymore. I was healed. So I, 
I got a slow intellectual start. Junior high didn't go any better. High school was pretty much an unmitigated disaster. College for three years. Oh, but something happened my fourth and fifth year. And I redshirted a year in track and field, so I had a fifth year. Fourth and fifth year, something clicked on. I all of a sudden became interested in the things of the mind. I became curious. You know what I'd do? Everybody else is on dates or they're at the bars drinking. I was in the library, literally. Who wants to mess with the card catalog when you can actually go to the stacks and just stare at books and think, whoa, that one looks interesting. Sit down, read it for a while, put it back, look for another book. I mean, I was hungry. I was hungry and thirsty for knowledge. I wanted to know more. And pretty soon from that moment, I'm off to seminary. And after that, I'm off to graduate school again. And the Lord allowed some kind of intellectual blooming to happen almost in a moment, sometime in about, oh, let's say 1981. And I praise God for it. But the intellectual blooming he allowed in that moment, he wants to put on you right now so that he can teach you like he's never taught you before. And some of you say, I'm just not that interested. I know. I get it. Until that moment happens, force yourself. Get into it anyway. It's good for you. But I'm going to tell you, eventually something's going to click. And that's going to be the power of the Holy Spirit that's coming on you to say, I'm going to make you a great student. I'm going to teach you some things. And the things I'm teaching you, you're going to be able to teach others. And there's somebody out there right now whose life is falling apart or whose life will be falling apart in three or four years from now. And with the things I'm teaching you, you're going to be able to share with them and they're going to be healed and they're going to come to know me and their life will turn around and be transformed. Will you be willing to be taught those things so this person over here can know me? And it all comes down to Sign me up. Or, nah, I'm just not interested. What's on TV tonight? Jesus? There's so much evangelistic and discipleship potential in this room right now. That once you get a hold of it, once you fill it to the brim... Once you're taken out of your packet in their hearts, it's going to explode. Jesus, there's some people here who have felt your knock on their door for a long time. They know you a Savior, but they're not filled with that Spirit. Jesus, could you fill them with your Spirit by making them want that Spirit like they've never wanted it before? Then that may be open to your lessons open to your filling, open to allowing you to every aspect of their life and transforming that thing and then letting them fly for Jesus. Lord, we're wide open to your spirit right now. We want it. So do something in us so that you could do something through us. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, And can you say this with me? And in the name of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you, Dayspring. Thank you very much.